my advice to folks who eventually do want to start a company is one of the best ways to learn about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship is to try to find really great founders that you can work under and learn from. Hello and welcome to Ready for Launch. I'm your host, Ian Black, and this is a show where I talk to founders of early stage companies about how they launch their business into the world, going from zero to one and beyond. This week, I have two guests on the show, Robert Palumbo and Erica Fabian. They are CEO and head of sales, respectively, at Outpoint App, which is a SaaS platform built to enable effective allocation of paid media budgets through automated media mix modeling. If you don't know what that is, we will get into that in the show. We talk about how their company empowers marketing leaders to make better decisions about their ad spend. We discuss what predictive mixed modeling is in relation to advertising. We get into trends in digital and offline advertising. We talk about finding their first customer and how that sales strategy will change as they grow. And we look at mistakes they've made along the way. And finally, we'll think about what the future looks like for Outpoint. So enjoy the show. Initiating launch sequence. Five, four, three, two, one. Rob and Erica, welcome to Ready for Launch. How are you both doing today? Doing great, Ian. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, it's great to meet you. Yeah, you too. Uh, looking forward to this being my first double person interview I've ever done. Uh, we'll see how it pans out. Hope you bear with me for my first trial run. We love chaos around here. Perfect. Yeah. It's a startup life who you couldn't not love it, I guess. Uh, also wanted to say a public shout out to your designer, Caroline. We shared a few coffees. We shared a coffee a few years ago when she was early in her design career. But why don't we start with some introductions? Rob, Erica, I'm going to go in alphabetical order, so we're not biased by roles or anything like that. Erica, why don't you start with just your name, your role, and your favorite breakfast food? Wow, I love a curveball there. So I am uh, Erica Fabian, and it's uh, great to be here today. I am head of sales here at Outpoint. I've been working in the media industry for about 10 years now. I, I got into uh, it because I, I love storytelling. And so I started on the content development side of things, but moved over to uh, ad sales where I'm still storytelling, but uh, now, you know, I was just helping brands launch campaigns. And um, that is a little bit about me. Uh, in terms of my favorite breakfast food, it's definitely coffee. <laughs> <laughs> That's an easy answer. Perfect. All right. How about you, Rob? Love it. Uh, so again, Ian, thank you so much for having us. Hi, everyone. I'm Rob. I'm the co-founder and CEO at Outpoint. I was uh, born and raised in Toronto, which is where our company is headquartered. Uh, big fan of getting outside, reading, traveling, and learning new things. Uh, that love of learning led me to my initial career in startups. Uh, before Outpoint, I previously built and led the growth and marketing functions for a few high-growth startups. Uh, these include companies like Borowell, which is a Canadian fintech and credit score company, and more recently, a property technology company called uh, Properly. 
Uh, and now happy to be at Outpoint working with great folks like Erica and the rest of our uh, engineering product and go-to-market teams. In terms of my favorite breakfast food, I'm going to have to go with the breakfast burrito, which can be uh, super customizable and it can be either healthy or indulgent. So tons of options there. Love it. Where do you go for the best breakfast burrito? That's a good question. I think the best breakfast burrito I've ever had was in Sayulita, Mexico, uh, at some restaurant where the name escapes me now. In Toronto, I, I don't think I have a favorite. I, I think just when I see it on the menu, I hit the bit. Okay, enough about breakfast though. Let's talk about business. So you've met, both mentioned it a few times, your business, it's called Outpoint, but what, what is unique about Outpoint? So yeah, happy to take this one. Uh, Outpoint is a software as a service uh, software company. And what we offer are uh, tools to help growth marketers better allocate and manage their ad spend as they scale and uh, try to grow revenue and, and lower costs. How do we do that? We deliver what are called predictive media mix models through our software platform. And that helps answers question, answer questions such as, how effective are my current channels? Where should I be spending more? Where should I be spending less? And what should I be doing in the future? Uh, what makes us super different is this focus on predictive models and trying to understand what we should be doing next. And really our goal is to empower marketing leaders as well as the executives to make uh, more, I think, predictable and sustainable decisions in terms of how they grow. Great. We have a lot of non-tech listeners in my audience. Uh, I wondered if we could uh, go a little bit deeper into what predictive media mix models are. So having come um, from a background in uh, TV ad sales, which I'll get into later, um, that's a platform that can't be measured the same way a, a digital channel could with uh, using clicks or pixels to track how a customer uh, went from seeing an ad to buying something. And so what media mix modeling has done since the 70s is, is use uh, data science to look at how uh, the presence of uh, spend on a certain advertising platform is, is driving that overall uh, revenue lift or conversion, whatever it may be. And so what Rob and Sean have done is, is bring it into the next generation where it doesn't take six years of data and uh, a huge amount of money to get the same insights and uh, really leveraging that to understand where to spend your next dollar and uh, you know how to roadmap growth for the future and not just analyze what's happening in the past. And what areas does media cover for the, like, the things that you're modeling? So media would be inclusive of both digital media channels, so your typical Facebook, Google, TikTok, uh, really any sort of digital marketing ad platform that uh, high growth brands may be spending on. And then it's also inclusive, and this is very important because it's differentiated from many of the more like what are called click-based or pixel-based analytics and attribution tools. We are, we are also inclusive of offline channels or view-through channels, uh, which may not get the same kind of credit that they deserve. So channels like TV, billboards, even podcasts, like the, the one we're speaking on, often don't get a lot of credit in uh, incumbent analytics solutions. However, what media mix modeling does is it essentially zooms out 
looks at all the channels as independent contributors to your revenue and tries to map changes in spend on a channel to changes in revenue. And that allows us to credit channels like podcasts or TV, which may not have any clicks, but may be associated with increases in revenue. Okay. For those, you know, more offline channels, does the chain is the change in spend the main thing you can track? Because like what if someone spends the same amount but changes like completely changes what they're putting out on that channel versus maybe they're putting the same message out but they only spend half as much. Are you able to capture anything like of the more nuanced pieces within that? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think like at, at the highest level where media mix models have great utility is in providing a roadmap for measuring the effectiveness of current advertising and providing insight into making future budget allocations. Of course, as you noted, there is a ton of context and nuance within a channel and that kind of nuance will show up in our models over time. So let's say the advertiser changes their strategy and becomes more effective on a channel. Well, what will happen is we'll say, okay, your predicted revenue is going up. Inversely, let's say they cost rise or they become less effective. What would happen is you know, our prediction would go down over time. Um, and I think what we're learning from our customers as we've gone to market is there is a great desire to get uh, more granular with our insights. And, and that's actively an area where we have invested already and are continuing to invest. Awesome. I'm going to come back to you, your customer research later. I'd love to rewind a little bit and just talk about like, Rob, what, what were you doing before you started this company? Like what, how, and how did that lead you into becoming a founder? Yeah, thank, thanks for asking that question. So before, before Outpoint, uh, I was kind of grinding my way out, uh, working in a number of different um, high growth tech startups, always on consumer internet um, with a kind of fintech orientation, which I thought was a very interesting industry to work in, given that uh, the financial health of customers is really important. And uh, it's highly competitive and, and like a, a really interesting industry to work in. So before Outpoint, I was uh, a marketing leader at, at Borowell. And then after that, I was uh, the head of growth at a company called Properly. Um, and in, in all of these scenarios, I had, um, you know, a lot of interesting times trying to scale up our growth marketing efforts, learning how to combine the best of performance marketing and brand marketing. And, uh, you know, I really gained a deep appreciation for both the problems that marketing leaders face in scaling a business and then also the kind of unmet needs and opportunities in the, in the sense that, you know, there are countless tools and vendors out there, but still the problem of tell me what's working and tell me what I sh should do next is really unsolved. There's a ton of noise um, and the lack of, I'd say solutions for marketers leads to a, a ton of waste and inefficiency in the process of actually spending across channels. So it was those experiences that led me to um, want to build this, this business with Sean, who is our, our co-founder, and then, then Erica, who joined the team and the rest of the team later. Uh, the idea was originally started in the Toronto cohort of a venture builder program called Entrepreneur First. Uh, and yeah, happy to chat more about that, but uh, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, Ian, if you have any questions on that. Well, yeah, I'd love to hear how, how did that journey take place from being a full-time employee to now I'm going to start this business? Right on. Yeah, it's a great question. So 
to rewind a bit again, I, I think I always got into startups with the intent that at some point in the far off future, I would want to start a company. And my advice to folks who eventually do want to start a company is one of the best ways to learn about the ups and downs of entrepreneurship is to try to find really great founders that you can work under and learn from. And that was definitely the case for me at, at Borowell, at Properly, at, at many of the different experiences I had before. So I always had some loose idea in my mind that I did want to start a company. Uh, and then it was like kind of during the pandemic era uh, in 2020 that started to reevaluate exactly when the right time to start a company would be would would happen. And uh, EF happened to launch in Toronto in 2020. And to me, the value proposition was very attractive. Um, the concept behind Entrepreneur First is very simple. What they do is they attract top talent um, on both the commercial slash CEO side and the technical slash CTO side to essentially do just what I did, quit their jobs or their vocations, join this community of potential founders, and then Entrepreneur First will essentially fund the top teams. Um, you can think of it as a pre-team, pre-idea version of Y Combinator. And I think that that uh, comparison is apt. So I, I was able to meet my co-founder, Sean Billings, at Entrepreneur First. He's the, the CTO at Outpoint and the co-founder. Um, and I wouldn't have met someone like Sean without Entrepreneur First. You know, this was the first time he'd ever built or, or worked in startups in Toronto. He has like deep experience from uh, both industry and academia. You know, he worked at Amazon in Seattle. He studied at the University of Cambridge and worked at a, a number of London, uh, UK-based startups. And it was really uh, Entrepreneur First that brought him back to Canada to, to want to start a company. So together, we, we met up in the context of Entrepreneur First, and Outpoint was really born out of uh, my experiences and problems I faced in growth marketing and scaling consumer businesses, combined with his experiences in building great software, production machine learning, and working on data science and, and predictive modeling problems. You really combine those skill sets and you get the an original kind of genesis for Outpoint. What is it you think people get wrong most when it comes to their marketing spend? Well, I, I think it's not necessarily that people are getting it wrong. I think more like macro fundamentally growing a business is more challenging, expensive and competitive than it was even five to 10 years ago when I was getting started in growth. Um, that's not to say that growing a company is ever easy. It's never easy, even in the best of times. But if I compare back to, say, like 2015, it was relatively simpler for, a, let's say, a startup or a venture back company to simply start spending on Facebook and Google, scale up. Uh, costs were much lower. At that time, privacy regulations and other uh, kind of macro pressures were lesser. And, and now in 2022, you know, there are massive increases in competition and costs. Um, there are pressures on platforms that, you know, reduce the efficacy of existing measurement and targeting. And it's, it's just a much harder time out there to be a marketer, to acquire customers. And at the same time, we do have the emergence and re-emergence of a lot of new options beyond Facebook and Google for marketers to spend onto. But there is a learning curve to figure out, you know, what is the likely best way to buy TV or buy out of home? Uh, and what, and what are the, you know, expected results of, of, diversifying to a new channel. And that's where Outpoint can really help. Um, and I think like a core problem is that it is just a, a fundamentally challenging problem to, to determine, you know, where should we spend next? What is the likely result of spending on a given investment or, or channel? And that decision-making process around picking new channels or spending on this channel or that channel 
is like fundamentally opaque. And there are a lot of sort of uh, industry stakeholders and, and middle people who, who may have a stake in keeping that okay, opaque. And that's where Sean's work on the modeling side and our platform comes in, as well as, you know, Erica's great domain expertise on helping um, guide marketers towards uh, understanding the benefits of an optimized and, and diversified media mix. Yeah. When you're an entrepreneur first, you know, you, you, it's pre-team, pre-idea. Did you have a bunch of ideas that you kind of walked in with and, and you figured out how to get to the right one to start your business or... Were you like, did you walk in and you think, I think this is what I'm going to do. I need to find someone to build it with. And then you kind of hit the ground running. That's a, that's a great question. I, I think the entrepreneur first playbook or recipe is that they encourage folks to not come in married to an idea, but rather come in with an open mind and be willing to ideate and iterate with their potential co-founders with the idea being that, you know, the most defensible high potential ideas are going to be born out of the kind of combination of two people's backgrounds and insights rather than just solely one person's. And I think that's a pretty unique uh, spin on entrepreneurship because you do have this kind of classic idea of the like heroic singular founder. And that's just not the case in, I think, a lot of very successful companies where you have, you know, multiple people coming together in creative collisions that ultimately result in something better than just what one person could have came up on their own. So EF definitely discourages folks to come in with a single idea. That said, they do encourage folks to uh, play to their strengths, activate what are called their edges. So their unique insights or skill sets that they can bring to the world, but in a way that is, you know, ultimately going to create more value by combining with the other person than if they were to go it alone. Okay, so you walked out of that program with an idea and a business partner. At what point did you say, I think we need a third person? You know, when, when does Erica enter the scene? I mean, I have my version of the story. I think Erica has hers. But I think we, um, you know, after we got our initial funding, we certainly wanted to grow our team. And I think it was more like fortune and fate that brought us together than... Um, the like deliberate idea that we were going to hire a salesperson very early on. And Erica is far more than a salesperson. Actually, she's a, a great head of sales partner and, and generalist kind of operator and leader across the board. Um, I think Erica was just kind of hitting the open market and, and uh, we talked together about working together, but maybe I'll let Erica tell that story further. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely, uh, you know, feel fortunate that Rob took a leap to hire a head of sales uh, pre-product. <laughs> um, you know, there was a product, but there wasn't one for sale at that point. And um, I'd even be curious to hear how Rob justified that one, um, but I'm so fortunate that he did. Um, and we we actually met back in 2016, and, and it was during my time as a TV sales rep. And I'd been working with brands of all sizes, from brand new startups to massive CPG, CPG brands and big agencies. And I noticed that there was this subset of fast growing businesses that had these big ad budgets, big enough to support five to 10 channels, but they were only spending across two or three. And I couldn't figure out why was that? And answering that question started becoming a bit of an obsession for me, uh, partially because I was uh, tasked with selling TV ads in a performance world. 
but eventually I went on this mission to help scale-ups accelerate their growth their growth by uh, diversifying their ad spend. And um, when Rob was a leader at Borrowwell, we actually worked together on a TV campaign. And that was the first time I ever worked with him. And I learned a lot from him about how sophisticated growth marketers were thinking about ad spend and how important measurement was to them. And at the same time, some of the obstacles uh, when it comes to trying new channels and then getting buy-in from the rest of the team. And that really helped me serve my customers better. Um, and we had a lot of collaboration and uh, conversations since then about advertising effectiveness and different measurement approaches. And I still remember during the pandemic when he called me, we were about to kick off another campaign and he said, I'm actually leaving to uh, build this thing. And uh, I'm just fortunate now that uh, it kind of came full circle and we're, we're tackling this approach together. And uh, I think we both come uh, from our respective seats that we sat in back in our old roles. And it's a very complimentary uh, backgrounds to, to uh, tackle this problem. Did you find it hard to leave a stable career job and join a very new startup that didn't even have a product? I definitely think people were surprised. This is my first startup experience. I've been fortunate to work for some very well-known brands, both in the US and Canada, and have a bit of a safety net, uh, not only when it comes to um, resources and support, but also um, training and you know learning about sales from, from some of the best. But as soon as I got here, I realized that this is uh, you know, where where I'm meant to be. And I think um, it was time to, to try it. But really knowing Rob, uh, it made it an easy yes. And I think when you're going to, you know, explore something like that for the first time, having an idea of who you're working with, or at least a lot of passion about the problem you're solving is important. I could talk about Outpoint all day, all night, and I don't get tired of it because this is something I really care about. And so that made it super easy. Uh, but Rob has been, and Sean has been very patient with, you know, helping me transition to a new way of working and just doing, not thinking so much. What has been hardest in that transition? Like what, what's the most unusual change to your way of working? I think there's a lot more power with the information that we're getting. And, and by power, I mean, we're learning all the time from things our customers are saying and, um, you know, meeting peers and other startups and, and looking at things going on. And um, there, every sort of new learning can be a level up for us or a change in direction. And so really just having those, those open lines of communication and constantly, you know, taking a minute to, to think about, okay, are we still moving in the right direction? And, and do we need to move? I was I was just overall surprised with how agile we could be. It's something that, you know, in a corporate environment you crave and you want the ability to, to make the moves and seize opportunities when you see them. And uh, it, we are in a, a company where that is definitely happening every day. And so I got what I wanted, but took a minute to get used to. Mm. Yeah, I've certainly notice being at a startup that the sales department can can end up being a huge source of 
customer needs and desires and it sounds mm-hmm. like a little bit like you're you're feeling that too do you feel like the product is changing and the more you speak to customers or like you know have you moved away from the initial vision that rob and sean started out with when they first launched this that is a good question i think what's interesting is the overall vision is still very much ringing true but how we shine light on on what our product can do is um constantly evolving and i think we're getting a lot better at helping people understand how outpoint can help them uh, and i think you know in sales being able to communicate those ideas and value propositions clearly is is a table stakes part of the the job but having a desire to learn and, and a curiosity is, is more important i would say and i think without talking to people and our potential customers and really learning what they do in their day to day I'm not able to have conviction in our ability to help them and solve their their challenges. And so in the early days uh, when I first got there, I really felt more like an evangelist for Outpoint and not necessarily a salesperson. Um, really just uh, leveling uh, with our clients and talking about the problems and not necessarily what our solution is that we were offering. And with with finding the people who deeply relate and want to ask more about the solution it really gave us these strong early partners to work with and very much helped shape what the product became and it was that mutual passion and and pain that uh we had that really just helped us shape the product um you know after having hundreds of conversation there were certain themes that would always rise to the top and and became easy to spot and we've built a lot of our core value propositions around things that we've heard directly from our customers that have been valuable to them. An example would be what when we were talking earlier about uh measuring traditional media, you know, something like a television or a billboard, and the fact that we're able to measure impact and demonstrate the value it's driving in a very simplistic visual way and we've, you know, now doubled down on on that feature and we've built terminology around it and we we've always known what what mission we're on but hearing the where the the real value is coming from helps us focus i would say you've spoken a few times about like the different types of media and you know in my head i'm thinking old school is tv new school is facebook or tiktok um you know and you mentioned about how you know some companies would only be spending on two or three channels when they could be spending on five is there both ends of the spectrum where some companies are like all on what i would think of as traditional and some companies are like only on modern and you're trying to convince both sides to go the other way or is it something else what are you seeing there i'm happy to weigh on in this from the kind of like marketing leader perspective uh and i i think what we're seeing is that there is a variety of different uh contexts and approaches and POVs here but one of the fundamental splits we see is digital versus offline and then this also idea of like measurable marketing versus less measurable marketing and at our point we think that those divisions and those silos can be broken down and in, indeed like a core value proposition of outpoint is helping to quantify what was previously viewed as unmeasurable 
um, so that marketers can get a directional read on, okay, what are my traditional investments like, like television and podcasts, but also less measurable things like uh, influencers, radio, et cetera. What, what are they doing for us in terms of expected revenue in return? Um, and, and really what we are helping sell is, is confidence or a guide to help folks either continue investing in those harder to measure channels or turn them down if that's the case. And we aim to be as completely as objective and kind of channel agnostic as we can in order to serve the marketing leader and help, you know, create a map for them to, to understand where they need to go forward. Uh, we know for it's a fact that a marketing investment likely drives some non-zero change in revenue. Uh, sometimes it may be very close to zero, but it's non-zero. And we really want to make it simple and clear with, with as high accuracy as we can to solve that job to be done of figuring out what's working and what should I be doing more or less of. Yeah. Do you see any tr trends in terms of, so obviously like social media, et cetera, like you can track it. And so people can see a, a clear link between what they spend and what they get out of it. Whereas historically before our point, it's very hard to do that with television. Um, do you notice that like what actually television is significantly more effective when you can track it? Or like, are all of the channels very different depending on what type of industry you're in? One of the the trends and, and realizations we're seeing isn't isn't even so much about effectiveness, but really just getting the confidence to actually try a new channel. And when it comes to growing a, a business and going from startup to scale up, launching new channels isn't as easy as just deciding to spend there. You have to, you know, unlock that budget and find the right creative partners and understand how to buy that market. And, um, you know, on the, on the other side of it, prove it worked. And so oftentimes some channels feel a lot like a lot more uh, work than they're worth. And so um, that's, that's really an area where we support uh, in terms of just providing confidence, enough confidence to say this will go well and we'll show you what happened. And, it's not as as uh, complex, right? Because I think the the huge benefit of, of technology and um, this digital era of marketing has been that you can start up, you know, at your computer, um, you know, a one person show and, and and grow from there. And there's so much benefit to that. But right now, there's just this huge gap between what it takes to launch. Uh, platform like radio or TV uh, versus, you know, something that you can, you can do from your laptop. Mm. And that next step of like figuring out what to launch and, and going through that journey that you mentioned, is that something that Outpoint is or will plan to help with? Or are you there to say, here's what we think you should do. Now go find someone else to, to if you need to, to help with the implementation. I would love uh, Rob to speak to that, but I will uh, start by saying that this was definitely one of our ideas that continue to expand based on what we heard from customers. And it's it's the reason why we're super excited about this feature, but uh, I'd love for Rob to, to tell you about it. Yeah, that's a great question, Ian. So, so our, our vision is to be 
uh, exhaustive of not just current channels, but also potential new high likelihood channels that a, a customer may want to consider spending onto and, and providing powerful predictions and recommendations around what might happen if they were to spend onto a new channel. So the way we think about you know, building our platform out is we have our, our core software as a service predictive media mix modeling service, which tells you, okay, you know, how are my current channels performing? What should I do more or less of to grow revenue or cut costs? That's a, a very powerful tool for marketers. And you know, we have great demand for that. Um, and you know, we've in, in short order started to scale a business to multiple hundreds of thousands in ARR uh, on contract. And, and what that business allows us to then do is unlock an in, even more interesting kind of blue ocean opportunity, which is new channel recommendations. So that's answering the question, okay, beyond my current channels, what channel should I be spending on next? And we have built and launched a new channel recommendation tool, which to my knowledge is the first of its kind in market. And what that tool does is it allows uh, marketers and executives to essentially get a data-driven sort of stack ranked list of what are the highest potential next channels to spend against. And those recommendations are built on both first party data that we have from the customer based on their current kind of performance, as well as uh, third party data that we see from industry data sets and, and uh, kind of outpoint data sets. All of this is very powerful and I think is a, a fundamental change in how um, decision makers decide which, which channels to spend on to next. Like right now, if you think about the current process, it's often a hodgepodge of um, maybe studying what other competitors in the industry are doing and, and deciding to test those channels. Um, you know, maybe you might be building a simple model on a spreadsheet, but it's often not very uh, predictive or, or data backed. Um, and I think what we are introducing here is, is uh, 10x or greater change on, on how that system works. So I'm really excited to to be introducing that, you know, with with the team and the market, and, and kudos to our, our research engineering team, um, who's been working very hard at building out our predictive models around how that that product works. Great, I'd love to talk about customers a bit. How did you find your first customer? You know, you've got this idea, you you didn't have a product. When when did when did that customer come in, and did that was that linked to when you had a product, or did you manage to get someone before you had a product? I, uh, I remember the first week I got to Outpoint, Rob had me jump on a meeting and, and pitch Outpoint. And it wasn't my best performance, I have to say, but it's, it's interesting now, almost uh, just under a year later, we, we, we have signed that client and it, it's one of our largest clients now. So um, it, it's interesting how, um, how much just having conversations and building that relationship can can play out down the road. So um, I, I think in the early days, it was a lot of, of having conversations with, with the inbound interest and uh, whether it was people in our networks or someone learning about us through a lot of the great content Rob will post. Uh, he, he has some great stuff on LinkedIn uh, and, and also Twitter. And using that initial inbound interest has been what we've sort of built our strategy around. And especially when it comes to um, how we'll, we'll approach outbound in the, in the future. So getting that, uh, you know, sales process more defined and 
making sure our value proposition, our, our messaging isn't too complicated. Um, and so we've been fortunate to hone our process with a lot of the interest coming our way. And I think some of that was accelerated by the changes that have happened in the media landscape uh, during the pandemic. Uh, certain channels have not been performing as well as they used to, and people are looking for new solutions. But um, there's always going to be those forces happening. And uh, for us, it was just really critical uh, to stay close to our early customers and make sure that we understand where they're seeing value. And if they aren't seeing value, address it head on because a good reputation and solid testimonials is how we'll build momentum. And people are highly influenced when they have a recommendation from someone they trust. And we're now seeing some of that pay off. It's a huge honor for us when uh, a current customer, current customer of ours, uh, we hear you know something great they said about us behind their back, uh, and we definitely work for that and really keep those uh, early customers close. And we're thankful for them because feedback is has been hugely important to us. Yeah, I, I would add on to that that it feels like for us the mark we're getting like pulled with the market in that the demand for outpoint and new ways of thinking about how do we uh, measure and model our ad spend demand for these kind of tools is incredibly high. In fact, I, I think it, it to us signals that there is very strong value proposition market fit. Uh, sometimes uh, creating a lot of, uh, I'd say, good problems, such as us having to like build the plane while flying and puts us in a really privileged position to work with really high quality uh, customers who are early adopters and great design partners for us. Um, and in terms of like how we find them, Erica noted, you know, warm referrals and, and networks are great for us, but also folks just Googling, you know, media mix modeling and, and understanding how to tackle problems like rising customer acquisition costs. Um, there is a, a, just a really strong inbound engine, which has been a privilege for us because it, it feels like, you know, customers are coming to us and not exactly, you know, us chasing them just yet. We, we expect that transition will occur, you know, in the, in the next uh, year or so, but um, and, and Erica is absolutely the right leader to lead that strategy and as well as, you know, with the rest of the team supporting her. But um, it, it is a privilege. And I think it's been a testament to the fact that, you know, there is a big problem that remains unsolved for folks, despite the fact that there are, you know, a lot of indirect players that might be doing what looks on the surface similar to what we're doing, but not exactly solving the same jobs to be done. Yeah, it sounds, it sounds like a lot of your interest has been through kind of content production around the business, which has, has brought people in. What does, if, if that is correct, then what does the next stage of outbound uh, sales look like for you? Part of it is taking what uh, Rob does just, you know, out of straight up passion for the problem he's solving and, 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 you know, scaling that out, reaching more people with it, becoming more of a, even more of a thought leader in this space and having, you know, some of our partners that have been with us now for six months or more, maybe partner with us on, on telling that story of how, how we've helped them. And, um, you know, I think just broadening our scale that way uh, will be really important. And I also think branching out to different types of customers. We we have kind of started with who we think is is that perfect fit, but we're learning that everyone is needing help right now in, in this space. And 
um, bigger companies are, are interested and it's not just always that, that scale up. So figuring out who else we can reach and borders aren't an issue, you know, um, they, they could be across the world. And, and that's something else that's really exciting is, is, is uh, expanding our outreach that way too. Yeah, that's a great note. Like we, we already count customers in U.S., you know, Canada, Australia, European markets. Um, fortunately, the the language of kind of mapping changes in spends to changes in revenue is borderless, as Erica noted, and, and the data is often very borderless. Um, so that that is exciting for us. The fact that we kind of decided that Outpoint would be a global company from the very start. Uh, and then, you know, one other source of customers that I think Erica is, is actively building out is uh, by working with other players in the ecosystem, such as agencies who may have great existing customer relationships and, and also find value in our tools. Um, you know, we, we definitely want to be a, a good actor that creates a lot of value for not just the customers we serve, but also their business partners, which includes agencies um, who may bring customers to us and then we also can uh, bring customers to them via our new channel recommendations. I wondered, you mentioned uh, earlier about, you know, you had investment to start this company and with the current state of the world, there's a lot of talk about startups that actually have a path to profitability versus people who are just kind of pipe dream ideas. And I wondered, do, do you have that path mapped out for your company? Like, is do you see where... Do you see a world where you don't need more funding or is that a long way away? It's certainly something we think a lot about. To be clear, we're not yet at uh, you know a profitable position. We, we just launched in the back half of uh, or, or late 2021. But that said, we, we do have great traction. We're growing over 3x quarter over quarter in the hundreds of thousands of contracted ARR. So I think we do have that path to profitability. Um, and it, I think it goes without saying that uh, being an entrepreneur, being a startup leader in this current economic climate is is no joke. It's it's difficult stuff. So if you know an entrepreneur, send them a note of, uh, hey, uh, I'm rooting for you. Um, but I mean, our, our point of view is that every company, Outpoint included, ought to shoot for capital efficiency, being more savvy about how they allocate the dollars that have been entrusted with them. And, and I think uh, many market players, companies included, kind of lost their way in the last couple of years uh, due to the era of easy money and, and growth at all costs. And now what we're seeing is a return to discipline, to transparency, to uh, ensuring maybe not with perfect determination, but at least giving yourself the best odds that a dollar of spend is going to return more than the dollar that you invested. And, and that's really what our product helps customers understand in terms of their marketing spend. So we think that we have a really important position to play in this moment where marketers need to become savvier about how they deploy their dollars. Um, and, you know, we're, we're happy that we can help folks either save more money today or, you know, drive more growth in a more predictable way, depending on their needs. So both Outpoint has this like plan to get to, uh, capital efficiency and, and profitability in, in, in due time, um, certainly within the next, you know, call it year or so. And then we definitely want to help our customers become more capital efficient. And our work is on, ongoing, but, you know, our, our ambition is to really improve the capital efficiency of every stakeholder. We can help eliminate efficiencies, inefficiencies, 
uh, and really in so doing grow the total kind of productive output of everyone we work with, whether it's our clients, our agency and channel partners, and then hopefully, you know, creating a great return for our investors, our employees as well. Um, so that's, that's really what it's all about. And it's kind of core to our DNA. Like we really want to help understand how do we become more efficient and effective in the use of uh, dollars. And, and that's both what our product does and what we, we want to do as a company. I'd love to hear from each of you, because I, I think maybe they'll be different, maybe they won't. Um, what, what does success mean for you as an individual and as part of our point? And do you have metrics for yourself for that? I think at the dream vision level, I think really making an impact in this space would be hugely meaningful for um, for me and also just um, my background and my history, having you know a, a family coming from this media world too, and um, just how long these challenges have been been around. I think making making an impact and and helping drive notable change would be hugely successful. But really, I think on the sales end of things, having a super strong ecosystem in place where it's not only our our brands we're supporting that are growing, but we're helping ad platforms grow. We're helping, you know, when we help a brand diversify to new channels, that's going to get the podcasts of the world, uh, you know, more business and, and just help level the playing field that way. And I think we're sort of scratching the surface of, of how far we can take those partnerships right now. But I really believe that uh, Outpoint can be a win for the whole ecosystem and seeing seeing that impact across different avenues and buckets would be would be really exciting cool yeah i i, I think as as a on a personal note i think really operating at a level that you know creates value for everyone that we interact with is, is very important for me that's customers that's uh, our team that is our stakeholders, and I'm I'm incredibly grateful for the the team that we get to work with, as well as our customers and our investors and stakeholders. So, continuing to do right by those folks is certainly like top of mind and, and incredibly important. Um, and then, in terms of success for Outpoint, I think it's creating like a very important business that is more than just a measurement tool, but one that actually creates behavior change and how folks allocate their ad spend across channels and creates, I think, just a far more efficient marketing ecosystem. If you, if you zoom out, there's hundreds of billions of dollars. I think it was projected to be above $700 billion of spend in 2022 at the like most global high level. Of that, nearly like 40 to 50% of that is wasted, meaning it results in what we would say is uh, nil economic value. Um, and, and from a functional perspective, like Outpoint is a technology company that helps marketing leaders who are in charge of those big budgets diversify their ad spend, become more efficient, spend where they're likely to get return, reduce spend where they're not, and discover the benefits of uh, you know, an optimized, diverse marketing mix. And in so doing, we can actually have some very positive benefits to society because uh, there is a deadweight lost when, when ad spend gets wasted. Uh, and 
by that, I mean that companies that may have had more faster growth, uh, more customer transactions, new economic activity, maybe they higher on the back of that, you know, they, they may miss their targets if they're inefficient, but as they become more efficient, they can scale and, and uh, you know, unlock new economic activity. And I think for us at the like macro level, when we look back, certainly for me, when I look back, like in the years to come, I would love to say that, you know, Outpoint played a role in helping enable um, the decision-making that, that drove better outcomes for everyone that we interact with. Uh, and I think with that comes like an ambition to be a different kind of marketing technology company. One that really focuses on behavior change and, and changing the way that this ecosystem operates. It's kind of a bold vision, but it's, I think, one that is really important to us and I think is attractive to our team and, and our stakeholders. Do you think you'll need to be a large company to do that? Or is it something you can do with a kind of tight-knit team? How, how, how big do you think your company could or would, or what would you want to be? So I don't have a crystal ball to predict that. And I'm incredibly proud of what our, our tight-knit small team has uh, accomplished to date. I think, you know, the market uh, will also be, you know, a, a voting machine on that in terms of, uh, you know, how much money gets allocated to us and how many customers, uh, you know, ultimately work with us. So I will say that to us, we, we have the vision. We've been executing, I think, very effectively thus far, and we want to continue to do so in stages. So, you know, today we get to work with, uh, you know, tens of, of brilliant marketers. In the future, you know, we want to scale that to hundreds and then thousands of, of customers. Um, and in that process, yeah, we, we will need to staff up. But I think given the fact that we are a software as a service business and we do use technology, the, the idea is to become more scalable in, in a way where we don't have to add, you know, the, a commensurate amount of uh, you know, teammates in order to scale up at the same level, you know, you, that we can achieve economies of scale and we can achieve automation to reach that level of growth. But I, I think necessarily, yeah, we would love to you know, grow our team and add um, more talented uh, folks to our already very talented team. Awesome. On the flip side of successes, have you, do you feel like you've made any big mistakes say, either as individuals or as a business? And, and what advice could you give to others to maybe so they could learn from those? I think we make mistakes every day. Uh, and the really important thing is, is learning from those mistakes. I, I'm going to get personal for a moment. I think a, a big mistake that I've made, um, and it's been more acute, I'd say, in the last several months, and I, I'm now more aware of it, that is just really over-exhausting myself as both an operator and a leader and, and you know, tying. I think this is this is a common entrepreneurial um, problem, but tying too much of the identity of myself up in the company. And I think that can lead to burnout, uh, and the like that, you know, I'm, I'm in the process of since recovering from, but I think just, you know, what can happen to entrepreneurs is they push really hard on all cylinders and sleep, mental and physical fitness are so important as is having, you know, a balanced life and pursuits that are non-work related. I think there's, there's nothing that can clear your head, even as an entrepreneur or give you great insights, like taking time away from, uh, just the day-to-day -day grind uh, and zooming out. Uh, and, you know, starting a company is high risk, high stakes with, you know, potentially big rewards or big falls. And it's really important to get, uh, 
both for, for you, but also your team and everyone that you interact with that get, to get, you know, your, your, uh, decision-making and your, your thought process is in the right spot. And it's the, the only way to really build in a sustainable way for the long haul. I think when you identify as the company is like who you are instead of, uh, you know, something that you're building or something that you're leading, but is, is just part of your overall life that can compromise your decision-making. Like it can't be your entire life. And I think, uh, when you can zoom out, that becomes a more effective mindset to make decisions and, and think clearly from, from, and it's, it's something I'm, I'm trying to learn to do every day. And I don't always get it right, but it's, it's, and it's hard stuff, but I, I'm working on it. Um, so for me, my advice to current founders and future founders is to, uh, take a moment to breathe, to zoom out, and uh, you know, make sure you don't tie up too much of your identity in in the company because you're you're far much more than that. I can uh, I could jump in with uh, mine, and I think there's, as Rob said, learnings every day, little mistakes every day, sometimes big ones, but um, something that I think. I've picked up here in my first year as, as a big learning is pay attention to advice, but you don't have to take all of it. I think there's a lot of great resources out there and different ways of doing things. And especially in sales, everyone has a philosophy or a pathway that worked for them. But I feel that when we are being true to what we know and and what we believe in, I've seen some of the best work come out of it. And it can be really draining to try and fit this unique thing that we're building into someone else's uh, way of building. And now I, I know to pay attention to uh, feeling drained by, by doing something. Being here and working on this problem energizes me more than um, a lot of things. But when it feels like maybe not the right move. It feels like a draining task to do. And so I think other perspectives are great, but I think within within what we're building, we know we know what, what feels right and what doesn't. And so um, advice is good, but you don't have to take every piece of it. <laughs> Go with your gut. Yes. Awesome. Just a couple more questions for me before we wrap up. How do you plan for the future as a business and what does that future look like for Outpoint? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think it really for us, it comes back to one of our core principles, which is customer obsession. And we want to continue to make our core products uh, like our media mix models that we offer in software, more valuable, more accessible, easier to use for customers. Uh, and then, on it from an internal perspective, we want to add more scalability and automation so we can bring them to, you know, hundreds and then thousands of customers. Um, so that is is very important for our planning for the future as a business. And it, it means having to take a kind of retrospective look on what's working, what's not, double down on what might be more scalable, and then, you know, potentially, you know, wind down things that are less scalable. And we think that to play the role we want to play in helping companies navigate through this this next era, we need to be able to play the long game. Um, so that means taking the time to plan uh, and, and zoom out from the day to day. And one other thing that we think will always be a guiding light is just 
focusing on the jobs to be done for the people we serve, both marketers and also C-level executives that find value in our product. Help me understand what happened, what's working, and then help me understand you know, what we should be doing next. And so long as we stick to those kind of relatively simple jobs to be done, uh, not to say that our product is by, me, by any means simple, but those jobs are, are, are really clear, I think we're going to be on the right path. Uh, and then, you know, ultimately, our, our vision for the future is that Outpoint becomes this really powerful decision-making platform and system to help marketers allocate, you know, billions of dollars across channels and, and ultimately become more efficient. Um, so for us, we see a bright future despite, you know, some of the uncertainty that may be happening in recent weeks. And we think that, you know, our, our moment and, and role that we can play in helping companies is, is more important than ever. Love it. Final question then for each of you. What is something unique you think you would never have learned if you hadn't been a part of Outpoint? I think one of the, the things that I've learned quite recently, and this is uh, a uniquely Canadian learning while building mm -hmm. a, a global company, is to never apologize for, uh, I think, like what you've accomplished for working on hard problems and trying to you know build or solve hard problems. I think as Canadians, uh, we, you know, we're taught from a young age to be humble. There's a really great blog post from uh, a investor called Chris Newman called How to Pitch Like an American that was geared to Canadian audiences and Canadian founders in particular. And as Canadians, you know, you know, we are primed to be so apologetic and humble, but we shouldn't apologize for all the fantastic things that uh, we're working against. Life's too short. Uh, and I think ultimately, uh, Folks often want to hear about uh, what's working, what's not, and, and what, what is hard about what is happening. And that's why I love your podcast, Ian, because it does kind of focus on some of these earlier stage journeys and the mistakes that people are making. But I think a really interesting learning for me is that just like trying to work through some of the Canadianisms around, uh, you know, being apologetic or maybe not being as uh, brash and bold about what we're doing, I think it, it can sometimes do a disservice to the business. That's not to say that you should ever be arrogant, but you should be able to uh, be competent in what you're doing. Yeah, I definitely feel those pains, even as not a even as a non-Canadian. I, I don't have that kind of spirit of pumping myself up and promoting what I do. But it's something I've been learning through this podcast. Like, you can't share your ideas and stuff with the world unless you do do that. So. That's a good, good advice. Yeah. And I think uh, it's super similar and I was, I needed a minute to think about it because I, there really are a lot of things that I've learned in this past year that are unique to Outpoint, probably part of it being my first early stage startup. But I think when it comes to being on the front lines and talking to marketers about what we're building and what we're trying to solve and knowing that it's this massive problem that many others have tried and failed before. Uh, I think it's easy to take for granted how far we've actually come with this solution. And the first few times I, I really felt this sort of new level of conviction was getting feedback from customers. And I think that's why it's so important to, to build those relationships and, and get to know them. We have an amazing group of customers 
Uh, I'm super proud to be working with all of them, but the fact that this is making a difference in helping them is is still mind blowing to me, you know, because I think we started just from from uh, very very uh, humble beginnings. I mean, having been you know the first employee to join outside of Rob and Sean, it's it's just sometimes if you step back for a second and look at all the progress, it's it's something to be super proud of. And and Rob and Sean are incredible leaders. I, I want to definitely make sure we shout that out that um, they're super intentional about building a great culture and. Um, yeah, I think without them, I don't know how we would have made it this far so far. So, Thank you so much. Let's finish with where can people go to find out more about uh, you and OutPoint? Awesome. Thank you, Ian. Uh, well, one place that folks can start is our website, which is outpoint.app. That's O-U-T-P-O-I-N-T dot A-P-P. And then... Uh, if you want to reach me or Erica, you can reach us at either rob at outpoint.app or erica.fabian at outpoint.app. Or you can reach us on LinkedIn as well. Um, and then one other person I want to give a shout out to, because uh, this is a Twitter account I've been following uh, for quite some time, but has inspired a lot of my thinking, is a Twitter account of, a I think, uh, a, a, a executive coach and, and doctor named Dr. Julie Gerner uh, for for founders, I would recommend they check them out. Uh, I know I was supposed to plug Outpoint here, but I just wanted to plug that person because uh, her, her tweets inspired a lot of my thinking today. Awesome. You are definitely the first person to promote someone else's content in, in that final piece. So congratulations to that. I love that. Um, yeah, we will link to all of those in the show notes. Thank you, Erica, Rob. Thank you so much for coming on the show. This has been a great chat. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Ian. Hey, listeners. Ian here again. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, it would mean so much to me if you subscribed or gave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. And maybe tell a friend.